All right, guys. This is the SureDog.com UFC preview show. We're previewing UFC Vegas. It is UFC Vegas thirty-nine. UFC Dern versus Rodriguez. UFC Rodriguez versus Dern. This is a very special show for a couple reasons. If you've never watched the SureDog preview show, it's usually a two-man show. It's myself and Ben Duffy. Ben Duffy is the host. I am the co-host. He kind of guides the ship. He's away. He's traveling this week. Um, and another reason why it's it's special is it's live. We never do it live. That's the one show that we rec- we pre-record. Ben does a bunch of editing stuff. He's much better at that editing stuff than I am. I host the recap show that me and Ben do after every UFC where I just do it live. And that's the best way I know how to do it. So I said, so you know what? Screw it. Let's do it live. I figured... Um, I don't know if anybody will even be watching because I didn't tell anybody we were going to do it live. I kind of winged it, like, thinking today, like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Uh, I don't know how to edit and all that. So I said, hey, let's just do it live. Uh, Chat with me. I'll I'll do what I normally do. I'll I'll preview the fights. I'll give my predictions. Uh, Some things, a couple things. One, I just thought about this, is Ben does, like, an intro to every fight. I'm not prepared to do that. I wasn't. I wasn't thinking about it. Usually Ben does it, so I, don't, I, I usually just have my notes and what I think of the fighters. Uh, and the second thing is Ben is really good with pronunciating uh, oh, pronunciation. Like he knows how to say other guys' names correctly and this and that. If if I say it wrong, bear with me. Usually I get to cheat by just saying it the same exact way that Ben does it. Uh, I see a few people in the chat. That's cool. My, my buddy Tartar is here. Danny Alves g- giving the fire. I don't know. what. Hopefully this will be fire. So uh, without further ado, I'm sure you guys want to get into the fights. We got 10 fights. We had 11 fights. Um, as of Well, hold on. As of Wednesday night when I'm taping this live, I don't know when people will watch it uh, on replay. But as of right now, we have 10 fights. Uh, we just lost Jamie Pickett. Due to COVID protocols, so his fight with Loreano Staropoli is currently canceled. I don't know if they're getting another opponent as of right now. I'm not sure. Um, and then we also had uh, Lupita Guni- uh This is what I'm talking about with Ben Helsing out with the pronunciation. Uh, Guninez, uh Sam Hughes fight is off, but they have replaced Sam Hughes. Sam Hughes had same something also doing with COVID. She is out in Sylvania Gomez Suarez. Uh, uh, Ju- yeah, not Suarez. Ju- Juarez is in. I apologize, guys. Let's get to the main card. Uh, or, or let's get to the card. We got 10 fights. Kicking off the card um, is Steve Garcia versus Charlie Ontiveros. Uh, it is a very, very intriguing matchup. And what I mean by that is not one we would have thought would have had on paper. Beforehand, and if you guys, if you if you're watching live, throw out who you, who you like, who you think's gonna win, how you think they're gonna win, um, and I'll try to read as many as I can live. I'll kind of give you my preview, and then I'll kind of go to who you guys are taking. Let's get the chat going. Just try to be very respectful to guys in the chat. Um, you know, just because people view fights differently, the best part is that we do view it differently. And I mean, me and Ben, we disagree all the time. Um, I'll tell you where Ben is this week. I'll tell you at the end of the show if you if you guys uh, care about that. I'll tell you what he's doing. It's pretty cool, and and maybe if you're in the area that he's in, you can actually meet him, uh, and uh, maybe make him buy you a beer or something. Anyways, 
Back to the fight, Steve Garcia versus uh, Charlie Ontiveros. Uh, Garcia, uh, Dana White Contender Series guy, Southpaw. He's long and lengthy fighter. I like that he fights at a high pace, good jab. I love his overhand left. He also loves his overhand left as he throws it a lot. Uh, it can make himself pretty, pretty predictable because he's constantly looking for it. But if he connects, he has nice power. He's a bit of a headhunter with his hands, with his with his punching, with his boxing. Though probably his best strike is his kicks. His his kicks to the body. He rips to the body. That happens when you're in a southpaw stance, especially if you're going against an orthodox stance fighter. Um, he can make the mistake of overthrowing his strikes, though, which leaves him open to counter. And it comes as far as the grappling goes. Uh, he's a weak defensive wrestler. And we saw that against Luis Pena, where Luis Pena kept taking him down, um, winning the grappling there. Uh, Tartar is, is taking Steve Garcia. I'll go over to um, Charlie Ontiveros. Oh, the reason why I said it's it's intriguing is Garcia is fighting at 155. This is a guy that uh, you know early in his career was fighting as low as bantamweight. Um, he's fought a lot at featherweight, and now he's going against Charlie Ontiveros, who's been a welterweight his entire career. His UFC debut, which he took on days notice, so we'll give him a little bit of pass on this. Moving up. He fought at middleweight against Kevin Holland. Now he's fighting at lightweight. So I mean, he's dropping two weight classes from his UFC debut to you know his sophomore fight. He's elusive on the feet, um, pretty light on his feet. He has a very unorthodox style, has a very karate style to his game. Got the wide base, got the hands hanging low, very Stephen Thompson-esque. Um, I like his his right check hook he, he throws from that stance. Um, he throws wild axe kicks he does it in multiple fights but he did he also did it in his uc debut against kevin holland he hates being backed up though he hates being pressured uh he has weak takedown defense i mean kevin holland who really isn't known for his wrestling uh probably kevin Holland's probably a better offense wrestler than he is a uh, defense wrestler uh he was back you know he was getting on his hips picking him up slamming him that's actually how he hurt his neck on the slam he also struggles to get back up to his feet and most of all, I'm worried about his cardio. I mean, this is a guy who's dropping down a weight class he's never been in before. And, you know, this guy that could fade late. He's also been a guy who's been knocked out a lot on the regional scene. So as far as prediction goes, I don't have a lot of confidence in this fight because Ontiveros is such a wild card in this new weight class. Um, it's such a weird fight for these guys to be fighting in the same weight class. But I'm going to assume that Garcia is going to have the speed advantage. I'm And I'm also worried about the weight cut, so I think that you know, might make Oliveros a little a little more punchy, you know, to be able to hit. Uh, not a lot of confidence, but give me Garcia by second round TKO. Now, guys, um, this obviously show will go a lot faster than than any at the normal preview shows. If you guys uh, if you guys what, like the preview shows, uh, if you listen to it, we try to go really in-depth. They're usually about two, sometimes three hours long. Obviously, we don't have Ben doing the, doing the intros. We obviously don't have Ben's prediction um but right now we have a pick for steve garcia um danielle says he's huge six two i remember him verbal t- verbally tapped against holland yeah he's, he's he's like six foot two fighting at lightweight he's he's gonna be huge and steve garcia is you know he's a tall long lengthy i don't have his exact let me see if i can pull up his height he's he's not a small even though he's he used, used to be a bantam weight oh he's six foot himself so it's not like steve is gonna be much smaller at least in the height uh, let's move on to the second fight. Now, 
The second fight was just thrown together. Um, <laughs> my notes still says Sam Hughes, but uh, Lapita Goodenez uh, versus Sylvana Gomez Juarez. Uh, I, I, I apologize if I'm pronouncing either of the fighter's name. Like I said, Ben is the John Anik of the show where he, he's got the pronunciations very well. Uh, Goodenez is, a, is the exact fighter that, if you've ever listened to the previous shows, you know I like. I love my wrestle boxers. The Frankie Edgar, your Chad Mendez, those kind of guys who can wrestle but also can, you know, known for the boxing. That's what Gunnar is. Um, good output on the feet, good crisp boxing, marches down opponents, fast hands, good footwork, good good way to avoid. Um, great right hand. She has some power in it. She really steps into her, sh- her shots to generate power. And she's got good takedowns. We saw her against Jessica Penne. She was throwing around. In solid take, in solid take defense, uh, move over to uh, Juarez, or, uh, Juarez, or I'm going to call it Gomez because I'm struggling with the last name. Uh, Gomez. Uh, she's 36 years old. She's taking the fight on days' notice. I mean, I honestly didn't see the news until about two hours ago, and I was scrambling to kind of get some film study. Now she's a KSW veteran. She's a uh, combate veteran. I. I checked out some of her fights. One of them was against Ariana Lipsky, where she challenged for the KSW title against Ariana Lipsky. When you look at her fight record, it's very, very disturbing because she's really feasted on some low-level competition. I think, like, I think it was her last opponent. Um, let me check. Her last opponent had a losing record. Uh, that doesn't give you a lot of confidence. As far as the exit O's on the girl, she's a boxer in the feet. She... A lot of like boxing type movements, a lot of like L steps and uh, uh, what they call shuffle shuffle steps and stuff. She throws down in the pocket. She likes to like pocket box. She's like a little shorter girl. Um, She unleashes a lot of power hooks. Uh, As far as kicks goes, keep kicks up the middle. Uh, She did throw a lot of spinning attacks at uh, Ariana Lipsky. But she really struggled with the speed of Ariana Lipsky. And this was two years ago. I was when she was 34, not when she was 36. But in fairness, she did drop um, Ariana Lipsky with a power shot. So she does have some power. But she also was hurt by Lipsky a couple times. As far as the ground, and she, you know, she looked for some takedowns, some snatch singles. And one thing I do like is that she had the cardio to go 25 minutes. Now, obviously, this fight isn't 25 minutes. But you feel a little bit more comfortable Um being the fact that she's going longer, um, Tartara is Tartara's taking her. I don't have um, this is the thing Ben does. I apologize. Uh, uh, D- Danny Alves has helped me out. Uh, Godinez, uh, thank you. My, I, I, I tend to do much better with the Russian fighters' names, uh, the Spanish fighters' names, the Asian fighters' names. I, I really, really struggle. Andre, what's up, bud? Uh, Andre's here. Uh, he, he listens a lot. He's great. Um, oh, Sylvain was supposed to fight next week. You know what? I am actually absolutely ashamed that I did not know that, Andre. And the reason why I'm ashamed is for the last three years, I've been kind of the one of the leading Dana White contender series I like experts where I've done all the preview shows I do tons of tape study but when being that this year we started doing the the UFC ones I started doing a lot of one championship stuff I just simply didn't have the time to do the one the contender series previews like I wanted to like I could have done something really crappy thrown it together um 
that that's a game changer that she was supposed to fight a week from now. I didn't know that. Like I said, I found out this fight uh, was happening a week ago. My thing is she's 36 years old. I don't like that. I've liked what I've seen from uh, uh, Godinez on the regional scene, like going back when she was fighting LFA and stuff. And I'm just going to – I'm going to trust – like she didn't have a good showing against Jessica Penne. I know that she just right before that had a battle with COVID that may have affected her. I'm not making excuses. Um, and it was also a close fight. A lot of people gave the fight to Gudines. Um I'm just going to trust what I've seen the, on the regional scene, her combination of wrestling and boxing. I say that she land, and and this has a lot more to do with my confidence in Guninas than on uh, Gomez because, like I said, I kind of scrambled real quick to kind of see. So I don't really feel like I have a gr- good grasp on what she is. I had a much better feel for this fight when Sam Hughes was uh, still in. If you guys care, I was taking Guninas to beat up Hughes. I kind of feel the same way in this one. I'm going to say Guninas uh, outworks on the feet and on the ground. Give me Guninas by decision. A couple questions for you guys in the chat. Tell me who, like, obviously who you guys like to win this fight. Also, tell me, like, were you going to take Sam Hughes? Were you going to um, go with Guninas? Just uh, put out there who you, who you guys like. Uh, and I'll start previewing the next fight. The next fight is... Uh, I lost who I have. My next fight is, oh, my hometown guy, Boston Strong, Charles Rosa versus Damian Jackson. Uh, Charles Rosa, you kind of know what you get with him. We talked about the opening fight with Charlie um, Ontiveris, that he has a very karate style. So So does Charles Rosa. He's got a karate sideways stance. Um Good movement. He's pretty elusive. I'll give him that. A lot of different attacks, a lot of variation in his attacks. I would say his boxing, I said this last time I previewed him, I say his boxing is pretty limited. Um, his hands are kind of slow. He throws a lot of single strikes. He's he's open to counters because um, he, does, he doesn't uh, reload his shots. So basically when you throw a strike, you're supposed to bring it back to your face just as fast. Like a lot of people think, you know, throw a jab and you you have to bring it right back to your face just as fast. Something that he doesn't do. He likes to admire. He likes to land the punch, see if it lands, um, and that's uh, an issue. He's a little slow. He's getting up there in age, and he's taking a lot of damage. I mean, guys like Shane Burgos, Kyle Bosniak, I mean Bryce Mitchell, and 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 Derek Minner like trashed him on the ground, beat him up. Uh, he also hangs his hands low, so he leaves himself for a big target. He will shoot for takedown. I like that he keeps his opponents honest, but I wouldn't call him a you know wrestler. I'd say he's um, above average grappler. He's probably a weak defensive wrestler. He is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but this level to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts. I mean, you look at what Bryce Mitchell did to him. I mean, he put him in the twister like fourteen times or something. And Derek Minner, I mean, was trashing him, making him look like a white belt. Uh, he has sub guys off the off his back though. In fairness, I mean, think about the Manny Bermudez, who was known for his grappling too. Especially you know in the UFC, I know he's really that that win hasn't aged well like it did, it did at the time. Um, but you know he's subbed Manny Bermudez. He also like, a guy who goes for leg locks, which is not something that I'm really into. And uh, he's faded late into fights. The move to Jackson, Jackson's big featherweight fights at a very very high pace. 
does really well to kind of keep his opponents at the end of his punches as he's pressing strong kicking game. Well, the the issue though, like, I shouldn't say strong kicking. He, he throws a lot of kicks, though sometimes he leaves them himself open because he throws naked leg kicks and kind of keeps his chin high in the air when he does it, uh, give himself a big target. Uh, but he's a former NCAA wrestler, will shoot for takedowns when either his opponent backs up from his kicks or if you over-pursue Damian Jackson, pressuring him, he'll drop down on a takedown. Uh, he For an NCAA wrestler, though, he's been surprisingly taken down fairly easily. And some of that goes to he likes to grapple and he's very confident in his, his jiu-jitsu game. He likes to jump on a guillotine. It's kind of like his go-to move. It's kind of like a... Um, who am I thinking of? Uh, I can't think of his name. The guy. Uh, oh, Nick Lance is one guy who likes to do it. What Dustin Poirier likes to do it. I was thinking about um, Brian Kelleher. That was the guy I was thinking of. Brian Kelleher is a guy who likes to jump on for a guillotine. And when they sink it in, it's it, it, it's like a double edged sword. When it works, it's oh, it was brilliant. How smart are you to go for it? When you miss it, you give up a takedown. Now you're on your back. Uh, but he does have a slick submission game. Uh, submissions off of his back. And I do like his cardio. I mean, I go back to like the Mercedes back tick fight where um, he got a submission in the third round on like that week's, like, took the fight a couple days' notice against a guy like back tick. Um, couple predictions out there. Uh, Danny Al says, uh, uh, let me go back a little bit. Um, Andre picked Gunines. Uh, Gunines, or I apologize again if I'm saying the name wrong, by decision. Hopefully, by the time I do the recap show, I'll have it much better. Uh, Daniel Alves says Rosa is good but has no power. That's I, I don't know if I mentioned that he that he lacks power, but yeah, I agree with that assessment. He definitely uh, he's not a big cracker. Uh, Tatar has taken Damian Jackson. Daniel thrown out there that he's a good scramble game. Um, him versus Bright was crazy. I'll say this: I, I don't I don't know if he has a good scramble game. Um, I, I guess that's like relative to what you're talking about. But he's, I'll say this, and I think this might be where you were talking about, and I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Daniel, is he, he's very tough to submit. I mean, he show, I mean, one, he showed his toughness. I mean, like a lot of guys, when they were in the position that Bryce Mitchell put him in, he would have quit. But also just to make it through 15 minutes with a wizard like Bryce Mitchell, who um, it's, I mean, we see what he can do on the ground. He's a threat to anybody. Uh, I agree. So as far as my prediction is right now, um, I don't know if Daniel was taking. I don't know who he's taking. I know um, Tartar is throwing out Damon Jackson. I'm going to agree with you, Tartar. I'm also going to go with Damon Jackson. And I get hated on. Like, you have no idea, guys, how much shit I get from MMA, uh, local MMA gyms because I constantly pick against the local scene, it's not. And I know uh, he trains in Florida and, and this and that, but, I mean, he still comes up to New England and trains. I see him at a lot of local shows, and, and he's a really, really nice human being. Um, I always wish him well. I'm intrigued by the pressure of Damon Jackson. Like, it's a theme, it seems like, recently, is, is pressure just folds guys. I mean, like, the perfect example was, was last week with um, – Devontae Smith was basically folded by the pressure. And I think I kind of see the same thing. Like Charles Oliveira, he's he's tricky because of the karate style. It's not it's not usual. Um he's smart, he'll throw in a takedown. But on paper, Jackson is the better wrestler. Um 
And I just like his pressure. I, I, I think at the end, of the day, when, especially when I've seen, like I go back to like Justin Jane's fight where Justin Jane's had like a successful third round against Charles Rosa. I think Damon Jackson got the same thing. I almost think it's like a foregone conclusion that Jackson's winning the third. So now he's going to win first and second round. Um, it's a very close fight, but I'm going to also, I'm going to agree with Tatar. I'm going to take Damian Jackson. Um, okay. So I am obviously pronouncing your name wrong. He is telling me how to pronounce it. <laughs> Man, I can't pronounce these. I, I, I'm sorry. I can't pronounce the fighters on this card. Right. I am definitely not going to. So. Tone on the first alpha. Um, Tatar? Tatara? Tatara? Is that it? Tatara? Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm I sorry, my man. Tatara? Tatara? I don't know. Let me Tell me if it was even. I know that was might be wrong, but tell me if it was any, if it was any better. Uh, if not, I'll just call you Big T. Uh, and, and no disrespect, my man. Uh, um, Damon Jackson, uh, was he talking, was he knocked out in his last fight? Um, <laughs> I don't, I'm trying, this is what Ben does. Ben does really good at announcing, um, oh yeah, yeah, he got, yeah, he got, he got beat up by, uh, Ila Taporia, which is, yeah, I'm giving a pass on that. I mean, everyone gets beat up by Ila Taporia where, um, I actually kind of put that fight out of my mind because of. The, the absolute mismatch. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on to a fight that um, I'll be honest, not the not the most exciting fight. Alexander Romanov versus Jared uh, Vandera. Uh, Romanov, he, you know, southpaw, not really known for his striking, almost no striking at all. Uh, I go back to this fight against Marco Hajira de Lima, and de Lima was kicking his legs out. Um, just kind of teen off on him a little bit on the feet, but he's a good wrestler and he knows he's a good wrestler. And what I like about Romanov's game is that he, he's not a guy who's like trying to learn how to strike and then makes him worse. Like it, it makes him worse in the sense that like, Oh, I've been working on striking my gym. Let me show off the fight. Like he's going to have to use it. It's going to come a time where he's going to need to use it. But for the time being, if he can out wrestle a guy, he's going to get there and it's going to give himself the best chance of winning. Uh, good double leg takedowns. Also likes to just grind the clinch way on his opponent. Chest to chest. Ch- clinch takedowns. Get you down on the ground. Very heavy top pressure. Good ground and pound. Um, ben likes to point out, uh, he would have mentioned this, that he, he, he fat guy choked Delima in his fight. Move over to uh, Vanderai. Uh, another Dana White contender series guy. Pretty, pretty unathletic. Uh, Flat footed. Kind of slow. But high output, nice works behind a uh, Chris jab. Um, he does lose some power because he pulls his head straight back. Um, he also struggled with the leg kicks of uh, Henan Ferreira in their fight. But he's a guy that also likes to to battle in the clinch, to dirty box, um, kind of make it a grindy fight. Um, he's an okay wrestler, I would say at best. I say, well, I shouldn't say okay. I should say like a plus wrestler, plus you know. Uh, not to level Romanov. He also likes to body lock, to trip. Not the strongest takedown defense. He does have a good chin and good cardio. I mean, he showed that off in his last fight against Justin Taffa, which is funny because 
you know, that was a fight that I think most MMA fans were not expecting to be like a good fight. And then it was. So as far as the prediction goes, I, I see Romanov get into the clinch and doing his thing. They're very similar in that where they that's a comfort zone for them. And Romanov's just better at it. So I expect him to get the takedown. I expect him to work on the ground. I mean, Sergey Spivak was able to get uh, to take Vendera down and get in, you know, beat him on the ground. Uh, he did in the second round. I see Romanov doing the same thing. Um, my man T is is picking uh, Romanov by second round sub. I'm gonna change the T- TKO. I'm gonna say he beats him up with uh, some ground and pound. Uh, but where I think I think me and you are on the same page. I think we might have we might have picked the same. Nope, you picked uh, you picked a newcomer, Sylvania. So we we are not in all agreement. But if anybody's in all agreement with me, um, Andre said uh, Jared didn't impress him even in the contender series with sloppy punches, but got a KO. Yeah, against uh, Harry Huntsucker, not really the highest level. I he he impressed me with his output for a heavyweight in his last fight against Justin Taffa because uh, I mean it's not. Max Holloway, it's not Alex Volkanovski, you know, it's not, you know, off the charts level strikes, but for heavyweight to be able to go 15 minutes hard, uh, that was impressive. But again, yeah, he's he's very low level. This, to me, is a really favorable matchup against Romanov. I think it's actually a step down in competition from from uh, previous fights. Uh, his last fight was against, um, I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name, the guy that won the... Uh, when the contender series, right? Wasn't that his last fight? Um, the guy that was out for like the longest time, uh, Juan Juan Espina, the guy that was like he won the contender series that we didn't see him for, for a really long time. Um, let's carry on. Um, the next fight we have is it is not the fight that I've listed, which is Staropoli versus Pickett. That fight has been canceled as of right now, guys. Uh, I don't know if there will be a replacement. Um, this is a really fun fight, though. That Chris Gutierrez versus Felipe Calares. Uh, Gutierrez, uh, guy, uh, just a really technically sound. I think he's like a really underrated fighter. Like a guy, just I really like. Um, technically sound on the feet, uses feints really well, works behind a very stinging jab. I love that he he just touches, just touches, and then when an opening is there, he unloads, which really a good way to. Score points, but also conserve your energy. Um, and actually, by conserving your energy, even though you're not throwing as many power shots, you actually are more likely to land and, and knock a guy out because you're sustaining your power throughout the fight, especially when your opponent's starting to tire down. I like that he mixes and punches to the body and to the head. Like he, when, he, when he comes in for a combination, it's, like it's high punch, low punch, both sides. It could be a hook to the body, right hand or the top. Um, Obviously, he's got those leg kicks that everyone always talks about, incredible leg kicks. Go back to, like, the Vince Morales fight where he stopped him with leg kicks. Some defensive flaws, though, he does make the flaw of backing straight up. And takedown defense is an issue. I mean, you go back to the, like, Cody Durden fight where Durden was able to take him down even though he was so much technically superior to Durden. Uh, move out to Felipe Calares. Uh, just just a freaking tough dude. Uh, I think of, like, the Montel Jackson fight where he – was just eating punches and just kept going after like a much more skilled fighter in Montel Jackson. Uh, he just high high pressure, high volume striker, um, willing to eat a punch, to land a punch. His output 
in pressure, just folded Luke Sanders in, in his last fight. He uh, marches forward, long long leg kicks. I mean, he's a long, rangy kind of guy. I like that he follows his kicks to either land a punch or, like, he'll set up his punches with, like, a long leg kick, like, he'll kind of kick into his punch. Or that he'll just kick, throw the kick out there, and then follow the kick just to gain the ground that he's trying to um, make. He's basically trying to make the cage smaller, and he does it really well to kind of like, almost in a sense where a lot of fighters will use their feet, uh, their footwork to set up strikes. He almost sets up. He almost throws the strikes to set up his footwork to cut off the cage to land the better strikes when he's a little bit in further and, and pressuring guy, forcing his opponent on his back foot. Um, he likes to just get inside, beat you up. We take down defense. He also makes matters worse because he's got the same thing we were talking about um, with Damian Jackson. He likes to jump on a guillotine. Good get-up game, though, though he will give up his back, and a really good grapple is going to make him pay for it. Um, um, and if he does get stuck on the ground, though, he does have submissions, uh, a lot of submissions before he went, to, he got into the UFC. Uh, so something to watch. As far as the predictions go, I'll, uh, I'll throw out some of your predictions, and I'll tell you who I'm taking. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I would throw anything out. Yeah. Uh, um, Big T is taking. He's talking about Gomez. Uh, Big T is taking Gutierrez. Um, no, uh, he said Gutierrez. This is where we need Ben to make uh, <laughs> the, the. He always likes to set up. Gives us the odds. Um, no, no, you're talking. No, Gutierrez won his. Oh, got effed up last time. I love his dinosaur walk. Yeah, no, Gutierrez had that fight against Andre Uhl. I thought he looked great against that. Um, oh, you're tripping. Yeah, I didn't know. What, I don't know. What you're talking. It's all right, uh, dude. I trust me. I trip up all the time. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, this is this. The, when I'm doing this by myself, you see how unpolished I am and how Ben makes it so much easier by. Yeah, I do tape study and this one, that one. But also, like, Ben always announces who they fought, on a winning streak, and they've won three in a row. It kind of helps me remember some of the things I've watched and who. Uh, uh, so as far as my prediction, uh, me and Big T, we're on, we're on the same page again. It, it comes down to skill versus pressure. I think Gutierrez is just the overall more technically sound, um, talented fighter. But Kolaris is going to make it a fight by just – Pressuring forward, making it, trying to make it ugly, trying to do what Tim Elliott's going to try to do later on in the card. The one thing I like about Gutierrez, and if I was coaching Gutierrez, this is what I'd be saying: chop the legs, chop the legs. A guy who wants to pressure forward, if you can take out his legs, one, it's going to take obviously takes out his power, but also his ability to kind of force the action, force you on his back foot, force him to march you down. Like he won't be able to do that. Uh, it's going to be tough. I think this is a closer fight than the line says, just because of Kolaris' style. But I'm also taking Gutierrez. I'm taking him by TKO. Um, the next fight uh, we have is Deron Wynn versus Phil Hawes. This fight, um, let me tell you a quick story. Just because we're, what the hell, this is a, so I naturally mumble. When I get, when I get nervous, I know I mumble a little bit. I can hear it sometimes on the preview show. Um, I will mumble if I'm. I mean, you just hear if you guys listen to the previews or recaps, uh, I just I just mumble, just just something I do. Um, and I was at a Bellator show, 
and I've been doing the MMA media for four or five years, but like this times I still get nervous. I still, you know, um, I feel like my, I feel most comfortable, believe it or not, at the live shows, face to face with fighters. Um, but you know, you get nervous and, and I don't know what it was, but I was interviewing Phil Hawes. He got a win at Bellator and it was, you know, some big name guys, Errol Hawani was there and John Morgan, this and that. And I think I was like just a little nervous and, but I always have a rule, like every single fighter that comes out, I'm going to ask him a question. And I went to ask Phil Halls a question. I kind of mumbled a little bit and just flustered my words and everything. And he took it as I was insulting him and uh, almost killed me. Uh, did not like, I forgot what his response was, but he gave me like that death stare and kind of got everyone's attention. Like, dude, I'm going to kill you. And I, I think my question was basically something like, hey, dude, you're a guy that at one time was getting compared to John Jones. And... You had a couple hiccups. People stopped hyping you up. Are you like the guy that now that no one's paying attention to you, this is your chance to kind of, you turn everything around and kind of be, and in, in, in other sports, they call it like a post-hype sleeper. Like the hype is gone and now you live up to the potential. I was trying to compliment the guy and it did not come out that way. It was terrible and uh, he almost killed me every single time. Phil Hall's come up, I think, about the time that I'm glad that he was beating up somebody else instead of me. Anyways, let's go on to this fight. Uh, Duran Wynn, obviously, he. I want to point this out. He's extremely short for the weight class. He's only 5'6". Uh, <laughs> I find that funny. I said this last time. Jose Aldo is is a bantamweight, and he's 5'7". <laughs> and Jose Aldo is not like a really tall bantamweight. Uh, there's a four-weight class difference between Jose Aldo and Duran Wynn. Ron <laughs> wins the shorter fighter. Uh, he probably should be fighting at at least welterweight, maybe even even smaller. Uh, so the X is on He's a decent pocket boxer. He has some good power in the pocket, but he really struggles, obviously, to get into the pocket due to always being the smaller fighter, giving up huge range. He gets he used to get compared to Daniel Cormier because obviously they train together, they're close friends, they coach wrestling together. You know, they have very similar physique. Cormier was a shorter heavyweight, stocky. Derwin Cormier's style is where he can get inside and land and, and can outstrike a taller guy. Uh, uh, Alexander Gustafsson, a Steepy Miatich. These these guys. DC's the exception to the rule. Like that's not the rule. Generally speaking, like years of boxing would tell you that it's it's very difficult in the guys who get inside you Mike Tyson's your Joe Frazier's the guys like that there's a very skill set to it and I don't think Deron Wynn has that and I actually think the DC comparisons and and they've really gone away like I get I'm kind of aging this analysis is but it's, it's a little lazy and it's simply because DC has incredible head movement and that Deron Wynn doesn't have that to his credit he's solid in the clinch when he is given them and his uh but he's open to knees due to his height. Like he's open to get, he's much easier to get knee in the head, in the head. He's obviously a great wrestler. I mean, he he's wrestling with Daniel Cormier every day. Uh, he's pretty elite. Quick entries, great body locks. Uh, he want a lot of times he looks to wrestle early, wants to close the distance pretty immediately. But one huge issue is cardio. Is he, he's faded a lot of fights and he gassed out against Gerald Burchard. He gassed out against Darren Stewart. Uh, and though I I thought he beat Darren Stewart, but that was a close fight. And I also just I'm concerned with his um his commitment. I mean, this is a guy that 
probably should be fighting a down a weight class, but he's missed weight in the current weight class that he's already undersized in. Now, move over to Phil Hawes, explosive, incredible athlete. I mean, he just jumps off the table. Uh, very aggressive, fast, fast hands, works behind a jab, earth, like shattering, crushing power when he throws his power blows. I love that he bounces his head off the center line when he's when he's striking. Um, powerful leg kicks, great high kick. Um, he's a very good wrestler himself. He was a junior college national champion, lightning fast entry. He's a really good re- MMA wrestling game because there's, there's, there's all kinds of wrestling. Obviously, takedowns is like the the most thing on the feet, but there's some guys like like a Ben Askren who's more of a scramble that, that works really good on the ground. Um, there's leg wrestlers, there's tilts, there's things that don't work in MMA. Like, you don't see leg wrestling in MMA. You don't see tilts. You don't see uh, half Nelsons or... Or whatever you don't see, the chicken wing series that that stuff don't work. But obviously blast doubles do, and this is what this guy does. He's got a very good lightning fat. That's why Josh Koscheck transitioned so well to MMA because of his his blast double. This is kind of similar to what uh, Phil Hawes do. Good drive through. He, I love that he when I've seen him sprawl down and he just drives right through the sprawl. Uh, good ground control. Decent back takes. He's a, I think he's, he might be a little underrated grappler, like st- straight jiu-jitsu grappling. Um, but he still needs to learn how to conserve his energy a little bit. I mean, even like the Kyle Dawkins fight, he was really um, fading fast. Um, but I love that in previous fights where we've seen him fold when he's been hurt, when he's been pressured, the last two fights were much tougher to kind of step up in competition. The um, uh, Nasserdine fight and the um, Kyle, Kyle Dawkins fight. He found ways to survive, so I liked it about him. Now, as far as prediction goes, I think this might be the biggest mismatch on, on the entire card. I just think this is a terrible stylistic matchup. I think about, like, how could Phil Hawes win? I'm sorry, not Phil Hawes. Uh, Daron win, win. And to me, the only way he wins is basically he's got to wrestle, wrestle the whole time, not even get the takedown, but probably just make Phil Hall's work and then hope Phil Hall's gets tired, which is obviously the case. We've seen it happen, and especially if it's a wrestling heavy, but we've also seen Duran win. Like, I'm not confident that if he comes out wrestling, he's going to tire out Phil Hall's. Like, I'm more confident he might actually tire himself out. And when it comes to the feet, to me, there's such a mismatch. Phil Hall's is not the guy you want to get tired and then have him throwing bombs at you. I think I just I, since this fight was announced. Remember, this fight was announced, and then they fell apart, and they rescheduled it, and this and that. Since the the minute this fight was announced, I just keep having the same thought in mind of like a crushing highlight reel knockout for Phil Hawes. And honestly, Phil Hawes throws that high kick a lot. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna throw out like not only got how he's gonna win. I keep seeing the high kick with a shorter fighter. I'm going to say Phil Hawes kicks him in the head and knocks him out. So give me Phil Hawes by, I'm going to say he does it in the very first round. Give, uh, give me Phil, oh, no, you know, I'll say, yeah, yeah, very first round. Screw it. If I'm going to go bold, might as well go all the way bold. Uh, very first round, Phil Hawes. Um, Alan, oh, Alan's in here. Great. Uh, Alan's agree with a mismatch. He says Phil Hawes, at least on paper. Yeah, but well, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, he says, at least on paper, he does everything better than Drown Win. It is on paper. There's so many times we say, hey, check this box, check that box. When it comes down to paper, who's the more credential wrestler? And then suddenly the less credential wrestler is winning wrestling matches. And, I mean, it, it, you know, this isn't NCAA. We're not in Cleveland, Ohio for the NCAA tournament or whatever. Uh, good good point by Alan. But, yeah, we're, at least we're both in agreement who's going to win. Um, 
moving on. This is so we go from like probably the I think the biggest mismatch to maybe the the closest fight on the card. Uh, Sabina Mazo versus Maria Agapova. Uh, Mazo, uh, both these girls were were contender series girls, but Mazo, twenty four years old. Um, obviously, she's at the age where she can make so much improvement. Very long, lengthy fighter. She's like a seventy inch reach. High volume striker with, I would actually say, like, she, she's a high volume striker who works from the outside a lot, but actually she has better power than she's credited to. She does have some defensive flaws, though. She makes a mistake of pulling her head straight back. Um, she, she Her long legs, which obviously is such a weapon for her, are also huge targets where she doesn't really check leg kicks. She's open to uh, chopping leg kicks. Um, I mean, I go back to, like, Justina Kish was having success kicking out her legs. Um, but, like I said, the long legs is her best weapon. She throws uh, tons of kicks. Fast, very fast high kick. I like that she just throws... Like, that, the tall, lengthy people who just throw out the high kick. What I love about the high kick it, it is even when it's blocked... I mean, how many times have we seen someone block a high kick and it still draws attention? It still looks like... Even if if, you, if I throw... If you throw a high kick and you do that, like, blocking with your bracing with the body and, and, and your elbow, one... Obviously, kicking arm, it just hurts. Like, it sucks to block it. But also, like, you block it, your whole body moves. It just looks good when people throw out high kicks. Um, that's something she does. She also has, like, great dexterity in her hips that she gets the kicks up so fast without much tell. Like, she she can throw it up, um, like, a quick... She can go down the kick, like, kick and throw up, like, a question mark kick. She can sneak in takedowns. I like that about her game. Like, she's not one-dimensional. I go back to, like, Shayna Dobson. No, that's not the greatest example, Shayna Dobson. It, it, she's extremely low-level UFC, and we'll get to we'll mention Shayna Dobson, especially when we talk about the next fighter. But, uh, you know, she takes Shayna Dobson down four times. But she needs to improve her, her own defense. Uh, Marina Moroz, Justin Kish, Alexis Davis in her last fight took her down. But I like that she has good cardio. Like, she's going hard the whole 15 minutes. Now, move over to Agapova. She's also only 24 years old. So she's got areas of improvement at that age. Southpaw, fast hands, um, but I, she's not technical. She's more of a brawler. She throws wild pocket, kind of um, very aggressive. Like, she's very aggressive. She throws hard, um, just kind of she, – she has a little bit of, like uh, – well, I don't want to say this because it's insulting, but she has a little, like um, – yeah, I'm going to say screw it. She has, like, that street fighter in her where she just throws and, this, like, you see this – Two, two people fighting in the street, they just throw and they're like, I'm gonna throw more punches and faster and hurt you. And that's kind of her style. Um, she, but she's at the age where she can make improvements. Like, it wouldn't shock me if, like, suddenly she's a much more technically sound uh, fighter. But when she is throwing wild, she gets in the pocket, uh, lands a good shot. Um, some things she does defensively that, and usually in a young fighter, it's always defensive holes before offensive holes first. She circles to her opponent's power, which is like, Day one boxing, don't do. <laughs> don't circle into that. It, it's funny. It was something that we used to hear in maybe 15 years ago in MMA a lot more where uh, wrestlers or, or jiu-jitsu fighters were starting to learn to strike. And they, they would, you'd hear them like, oh, he's circling right into his power. You don't really hear it anymore. Uh, but she's one that does. She also doesn't throw a lot of kicks. Um, I mean, she throws kicks, but not enough. Um but she likes to get to the fight to the ground. She will catch a kick. She'll just bull rush you. She will shoot for a takedown, but doesn't really set him up. Um, 
on the ground, though, she looks to advance position, heavy ground and pound, uh, weak defensive, <laughs> uh, weak deep uh, takedown defense. Um, seems like it's it's a little bit of a theme of this card. A lot of <laughs> weak defensive wrestlers. We'll get to the main event. Uh, if she's taken down, though, she's pretty good at scramble game, and she also has submissions on the pa- on the back. So um, I'll get I'll do this. I'll announce your some people's who you guys have in what. But this is the fight that I had the hardest time picking. I'm I'm still on the fence. I feel like I it, I always stay demand. There's always like one fight where I'm as soon as I make a pick, I want to switch, and I feel like this might be that one. I'm not that high on either of these fighters. However, they're so young that they both can make big improvements. So, like, if I'm talking about them two years from now, I could be very high on them. I think Mazo is the better striker, and I think she's definitely the more technically sound striker. I don't think she's faced the better competition. So I'm going to say, you know, it's hard to pick someone who just lost to Shayna Dobson. Now, I think that was a fluke. Uh, I, I shouldn't say fluke, but, I mean, uh, if they they fought now, I, I would still take uh, – Agapova to win. I just I feel like this is Mazo's already fought better people than Maria Agapova, so I would go with Mazo, but with like no confidence. So I see just outworks there, uh, not outworks it, but um, just wins with cleaner boxing, cleaner kickboxing, more kicks, and and wins a close decision. So I'll throw it out to you guys. Um, Big T has taken Mazo. Um. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so uh, Kyle Lawheed. I, I apologize if I said your last name wrong. Kyle saying that uh, Antonio Royho rocked Deron Win, and, and that was Deron Win's very last fight. Very good point. <laughs> Royo uh, is not the not known for his knockout power like Phil Hawes is. Uh, Mauser Allen's thrown out that Mauser really has a nice high kick. Got a couple KOs with it. Yeah, going back to like uh, LFA and stuff. Uh, uh, Andre was saying that basically Agapova was really hyped in her debut. That was true. I mean, she was like, I forget what the odds are. And guys, I, I'm not a big gambler. Um, I had a really, I, I would throw out because they've wanted gambling advice, and I will throw out one best bet. And because of the way this card is, I'm not throwing out my fight of nights and all like that. I usually do because um, just a little different. I'd rather just talk to you guys and stuff. Um, but I had a, a close family member who was addicted to gambling, so that's why every single time I've I've make a suggestion on gambling, I throw it out there. I always say, "Hey, please bet responsible." Just just for my own conscience, was saying that. Uh, but yeah, the whole point I wanted to say was, like, Shane Dobson was like a massive, massive <laughs> favorite. Uh, excuse me, uh, underdog to Agapova after Agapova's debut. Um, Alan. Ellen says Agapova will hit harder, but Mazo will be more technical and have the better cardio too. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think Agapova punched herself out against Shane Dobson. I, I think she, I'm assuming she's going to learn from that. Um, Kyle is saying Agapova is a massive front runner. Uh, I've heard people say that too. I don't think uh, she can starch Mazo. Uh, I don't know. That 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 would be a a real nice feather in a cap she can, though. I'll, I'll give her that. And that, if she starches Sabina Mazo, which I agree, I don't think she's gonna, but if she does, yeah, like I would, I'd feel much better at that age moving forward. Uh, but speaking of my favorite fight of the night, of course, is the flyweight fight. Go, go figure. My favorite fight is the, 
the flyweight fight. Where, uh, where have I said that before? Um, Tim Elliott versus Matthias Nicolau. I mean, we know what we got with Tim Elliott. He's been around for a long time. Doesn't have the best record in the UFC, but I really don't think, I really don't think, Tim Elliott's UFC record is a good representative of who he is. He's much, much better than his record. He's well, one. He's been in so many just tough, tough fights. You know, against tough guys, but um, I think Tim Elliott's pretty good. Uh, he's an unorthodox, unorthodox striking style. Uh, sorry, I get a little hiccups, guys. Bobbin, very bobbin weavy style, very unorthodox. Kind of, he, and not only Bobby, he like dips all way too far. Um, open to high, open to kicks on that side, but uh, not a lot of power. Just high volume, just touching you. Presses insane pace. I mean, his his pace is to get you to either shoot on him and force a scramble, or to back up to a cage where he can go to scramble, or just to kind of outpoint you. Uh, tons of wrestling, very funky style to his wrestling. Where he, if you know what funk funk style wrestling is, it's more of it's not your traditional where guys on your take you're taking it down, you sprawl on him, or or he's taking you down. And you go to you go to your. Um, you go your basically go to your base, your referee's position, so you start coming up and working for escape. Folk style is just always flowing, even though when they're taking you down, you're keeping your hips moving, um, scrambling. It's Ben Askren had that style, obviously Ben Funky Askren, and uh, um, it became much, much more um, popular in like the early two thousands. And it's it's really, I mean, it's really transitioned to MMA all twenty years later, but. Uh, but Ben Tim Elliott has this side where you just hips are always moving, always scrambling, never stopping, never like they never like win a position, not resetting, nothing like that. Um, just always looking to to win a scramble. Uh, he loses positions though because of that style. Like he's he's willing to chase a submission that isn't there. Uh, and one thing about him, Tim Elliott will his style will find ways to win, but he also find ways to lose. Like he'll he, he could be winning and better than a fighter, but he'll still willing to like instead of securing the takedown, and getting the takedown, covering hips, and he's he's jumping right to the back too quick or throwing his legs in that are, you know isn't there yet. So while he's fun, you kind of that's probably why some of his losses. Now move over to Nicolau. Nicolau's well rounded. He uses a lot of movement, uh, good footwork. He. He, he uses a lot of movement. He, kind of, he likes to pull people into his expulsion shots. He's got fast hands, tight hi, tight hooks. His left hook is definitely his best strike. I'd say he's not Davidson Figueroa power, but he's got really good power for a flyweight. Hard leg kicks. He's a he's a good grappler. Um, Manel Cop was able to take him down and, and use his wrestling against him, but generally speaking, I've seen good takedown friends on him, good takedowns himself. Ground a pound. He's got five submission wins. This this is a really fun fight. Uh, really good test for Nicolau. Um, Kyle put out there, and it's literally what I was just gonna say. Kyle threw it out there that Tim is a litmus test for elite flyweight. It's like you beat Tim Elliott. You're right. Like that's that's the perfect assessment. Like you're a contender now. Like you're you're good, and that's what you gotta ask is Matthias Nicolau that. Tim Elliott makes every fight tough. Even if he's not as technical, not if he's not as talented, not as good an athlete, he's just constantly in your face. He's going to make it tough. But I I think that Nicolau passes the test. I think this is a little bit of a passing of the torch. 
I think Nicola stuffed enough takedowns. Um, I don't think he's going to stuff them all. I, I expect Elliott to, to get him down. But on the feet, I think he's going to land the harder shots. We've seen Elliott, though he's tough as nails and, and he's hard to stop. We have seen him dropped. We have seen him, you know, <laughs> but he's, he's, he's Tim Elliott, so he'll drop and, like, roll when he falls down. And, and somehow when he drops, he falls into a ankle pick or something. I expect it to be a war. I expect that we have some really fun. If they give out fight of the night, I expect it to be this fight. I expect it to be a very Tim Elliott split decision type fight. Uh, but I think the Brazilian wins it. I'm going to go with Nicolau by split decision. Uh, let's see. Let's see who. Uh, Kyle's saying this is wildly aggressive uh, uh, aggressive striker versus grappler. He likes the striking accuracy, though. If he landed cleanly, he probably he would have more knockouts. I'm assuming he's talking about Nicolau, I think. I don't think he's talking about Elliott. Um, Big T is taking Nicolau by decision. Um, uh, Alan McDonald's, he, he just threw out the same thing what I was saying that basically uh, he's basically saying the same what I'm saying about if if you beat Tim Elliott you're good he's only lost to top elite fighters um, yeah he said and honestly even if he's not the best and, and which obviously he's not and even if he's even if Tim Elliott if we say he's not an elite and you look at his UFC record he's just fun like he's always fun. Uh, I just like Tim Elliott. I just, anyways, um, moving on, we have the co-main event: Randy Brown versus Jared Gooden. Uh, Randy Brown, tall, long and lengthy guy. He's elusive. Works behind a jab. Bit of a point fighter from outside. Fast jab. Um, I, I pointed out this before. He throws the up jab, which is my favorite type of jab and that's where you kind of throw it a little lower and the jab comes up um it's something and i always say this is floyd Mayweather. that's like his thing you kind of you stand it low and you throw it up uh there's a guy from rhode island if you used to watch the um what was that boxing show with sylvester stallone and sugar ray leonard and it, it was like a dana white's contender series but it, not a contender it was more like a tough where the guys lived in a house uh, anyways, the Mohopi knows this. There's a guy from Rhode Island, right from my hometown in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, where I work. Um, it's actually he's his oh, his dad's old gym is now called um, Triforce MMA, where Eric Spicely, if you remember Eric Spicely, fought uh, was fighting the UFC. He trains out of um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, anyways. Well, this, those other guys, all the Rhode Island guys. The, the um, uh, Nate, Nate, uh, what's his name? Nate, Nate Andrews. He, he fought in PFL. He, he, Bellator. He trains out of there. Uh, who's the guy that Sean O'Malley was a huge favorite? Was beating the piss out of him. Kept going at Sean O'Malley. I can't think of his name right now, but he trains out of there. Um, oh, what the hell is his name? Just recently, uh, anyways. The uh, so Kyle says the upset comes from, it, it does, it comes low. You, a lot of guys, so, anyways, the whole point I was saying about is, is Peter Manfredo was the guy's name. He was on whatever that TV show was, Sylvester Stallone, like I don't know, 2008 or whatever it was. Peter Manfredo was on that show, he was a, a local boxer, southern New England, made it pretty high for, for a t- world title, but you know, anyways, he used to keep his hand way out. 
is like he had this really weird style where he put his hand I can't do it in the camera. He put his hand way out. But when he did throw the jab, he threw it much lower and he kind of up. Chris Motino, thank you, Alan. Chris Motino, he trains out of it. Um, uh, the guy, uh, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, the guy that, um, holy Christ, I'm trying to throw another name. I can't, I was going to say the guy that this guy fought, and I can't think of that guy's name. Uh, four to seven May, little, the contender. There you go. Thank you, Ryan Ellenberger. The contender, yes. If you remember, Peter Manfredi actually made it to the finals. He's from Pateka, Rhode Island. Um, he trained out of the gym. But that was his style. He used to throw the up jab, Floyd Mayweather. Um, trying to think this probably – obviously the kickboxer guys would throw it a little bit. Um, but the, the up jab, anyways, I don't know where I was going. That's something that Randy Brown does. Back to the fight. I'm, I'm getting way off track, guys. See that? You know what? I'm blaming you guys. Ben keeps us on track. You guys are messing me up. But anyways, thanks. Um, up jab, obviously a lot of kicks. He is open to calf kicks, though, because of the long legs. I mean, uh, go back to Vicente Luque. Vicente Luque dropped Randy Brown with leg kicks. Um, he does keep his hands a little low, going back to the up jab. Uh, but this, there's, like, two sides of it. Like, the up jab is, is great offensive. There's a reason why you do it. One, you don't see it. I'm going, I know I'm going back to the up jab. You don't see it because it comes from a different angle. But also, the way it slices up, it kind of blocks everything that's coming in. Um the bad thing is, is when you're not throwing it and you keep your hands low, you got to really use your head movement to avoid strikes. So there's, a, there's, you know, two sides to everything. Uh, I'm a fan of it. Some people hate it. Um, back to Randy Brown again. Uh, strong plumb clinch due to his height. Gets inside knees. Uh, he will look for takedown. He has a very Michael Chiesa style where he just has long arms and he can kind of just reach really far. Uh, not a not great shots, but it's, it's very effective. He also likes body lock takedowns. He needs to improve his top control, though. He he, he struggles to keep guys down. Uh, and if he's on his back, he has improved his. Uh, he actually, I'd say he has improved his up game. It still needs some improvement, but he has a submission threat. He has four submission wins. Move over to Jared Gooden. The first thing that stands out to be Jared Gooden that he, he he's just a big, muscular dude for the weight class. Short, tight boxing. Uh, not a lot of tells. And what I mean by tells, tells are um, like you're supposed to throw like this. Not, not you don't want you don't want like chamber, like chamber before you throw. No, so tells are anything like um, <laughs> there used to be a, a movie, and I'm probably aging myself compared to people in the end, But there used to be a movie with um, Russell Crowe, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was in it. He wasn't even like close to a star, or he was like a minor star at the time. Called The Quick and the Dead. And anyways, spoiler, I'm going to spoil like a movie. 20 years old, but um, Russell Crowe, and, and tell me if, oh, good, Ryan knew who I'm talking about. Oh, Ryan has a signed picture of Peter Manfredo. That's cool. Um, I still see him every once in a while. Uh, him and, if you remember, if you're familiar with Rhode Island boxing, there's uh, another guy, Vinny Pazienza, who they made a movie about. I can't remember the name of the movie, but um, he was he was from... Rhode Island, I see him around too. Uh, horrible Weston, you know, not a fan. I actually like the quicker than. Anyways, the point I was gonna say about what tells are is the 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 because I know I use a lot of boxing heavy. Um, you know, I've trained, I've done things, so I I, I want to make sure people we're all on the same page, no matter what level of training, or I want to make sure we all understand what, what I'm what I'm talking about. And then I also know that besides me using lingo, some people might understand. Not every gym uses the same lingo. Not it, like we wrestle for a long time. They call one move differently. Anyways, 
uh, Ryan is is a is a fan of, of boxing. Nice nice to know that he he knows his boxing history, uh, which is funny because I'm not a big boxing fan myself, but uh, I know my Rhode Island boxing history. But anyways, the way I was gonna go with the the quick and dead, Russell Crowe's character in um, the girl um, Sharon Sharon Stone, right? Is that her name? I think so. I, I'm like the least pop culture person, but. Russell Crowe and her, and, and the, the, the storyline is there was like a duel, and there was like a tournament, and when the bell rung, you shot, but Russell Crowe realized that before the bell actually rang, it clicked real quick. It would go click, and then ring, and then they could shoot, so you'd actually have like a split head, head start. Well, that's what a tell is, so Russell Crowe picked up with a tell, so before, a lot of guys who load up, if you, if you load up, when you throw, that's a tell. So if you if you go like, even though a lot of people think if you dip and then throw, you're less likely to hit the left hook than if you just throw it right from here. Throw it short right from here. All right? Um, that's one thing that really stands out to me. You don't get a lot of tells with Jared Gooden. He kind of just touches. Everything comes off the jab. And then one of the power shots that he unloads. And he really showed... Before I've talked about him, that he, I don't know if he developed his power. Well, we saw in his last fight that he did. Not only did he develop his power, but I mean, he he ends you with with power shots, which is really nice. He likes to slide right into the range. I love that he targets the body. One thing I've seen him do in the past, which I don't like, is that he'll throw like a a, a lead naked uppercut, which will get him knocked out. Um, he also doesn't like pressure. Um, he doesn't like to go again. He doesn't like being pressured. He also doesn't like someone who's more explosive than him. Randy Brown may, may pressure him, but I don't know if Randy Brown is more explosive than him. Um, he is an okay wrestler though. Like he, he, he can wrestle if he has to, it's not really his go-to. This is a, this is a tougher fight than, um, I think more people think. I mean, right now I'm looking at the odds, um, Randy Brown is like over two to one, almost three to one. He's he's uh, let's see, negative two thirty favorite. I get that he's faced a better competition, uh, and this is a bit of a step down. But Jared Gooden's got the power; he's got the boxing. But the problem is, I Randy Brown has a very all the way in, all the way out style. So he can stand on the outside, throw kicks, throw jabs, work from there. Or get in the clinch where he has like that tall man clinch game, and and those are tough guys to fight because you because there's really there's many levels to to the striking game, but really the three main is kicking range, pocket boxing range, and then the phone booth, the clinch game that whatever you want to say the clinch the in very close range. Well, Rainey's got to win two out of three of them. He's got to win all the way out, and he's got to all the way in. So, so Gooden only has that pocket area, and that's a tough area to live in, to be in there, the, the boxing range, beyond the kicking range. So I'm going to go with Randy Brown. I'm going to say I'm going to say he just outworks from the outside, and anytime, anytime Gooden gets in the range where Gooden's going to be effective, I think Randy Brown's going to be able to crash into the pocket there and make it really tough for him to really ever get off. So give me Randy Brown. Um Let's see, telegraph. Oh, so Tosh says telegraph. Yeah, telegraph and the same thing as tells. Yeah, that's that's what I'm, I'm assuming tells is short for is telegraphing. Uh, I never even thought of that. Uh, uh, yeah, good. Uh, Kyle likes. It seems like he might be going with Gooden. 
Uh, yeah, Ryan agrees that Gooden shouldn't be that big of an underdog. So I am going with uh, Randy Brown. Let's go to the main event, guys. I appreciate you guys sticking around and talking with me. Let's do one more fight. Short card, only 10 fights. The main event, Mackenzie Dern versus Marina Rodriguez. Really, you're a striker versus grappler uh, if we want to really uh, simplify this fight. Mackenzie Dern, she's not a great athlete, but I really like the improvements I've seen working with Jason Perillo on her striking. She becomes a lot more composed, a lot more comfortable. She's adding power just because you're cleaning up your technique. But we know that's not what she's going to want, especially not not against a girl like Marina Rodriguez. She's going to want to get the fight to the ground where she's an absolute wizard. Before we talk about her like grappling credentials, let's talk about her wrestling. She's struggled to get the fight to the ground. She really has. Like The way she gets the fight to the ground is so either one, someone's stupid enough to try to take her down, or um, someone... Someone lets her pit against the cage, and then she slowly works behind, sneaks the leg behind. But she's not someone who, who, you know, explodes on the hips, gets them down. Um, I, I remember going back to, and this is a while ago, and she has improvements. And, you know, she's 28, so she's she's now in her prime, and she's been in the UFC for a while. But I think about, like, um, Ashley Yoder. And this was, in fact, this was three years ago. Like, this, how she struggled to get Ashley Yoder down. Um you had people like Hannah Slifers who didn't panic, like, you know, was willing to go to the ground, which was kind of crazy. You go back to Raina Marcos, try taking her down. I really wonder if Mackenzie Dern has the ability to get Marina Rodriguez down. If she does, she has a huge advantage. This is a five-time world champion in BJJ. Uh, she has, like, six or seven submission wins already. Incredible top controls, like the slickest back takes. If you give her an inch, she's going to be on your back. Crazy flexibility to get the sub. And what I also like about her is when she's on her back, if you're on top of her, she doesn't just attack with submissions. She'll just sweep you over and then then beat you on the top. So you have to avoid the sweeps and the submissions. If you're looking for to, to keep control on her, next minute she's got a submission. If you're just looking for what submission to do, now suddenly she just gets you off balance, and now she's swept, and now she's working from an even more dominant top position. Um, I mean, she really is... She's the best uh, grappler, you know, female grappler in MMA. Now move over to Marina Rodriguez. I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking credential wise. I'm not talking um, overall MMA game because no, I'm not talking about strike. I'm just talking strictly Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, for, for not, and I'm not talking about someone who has one, two fights in the UFC. I, I mean, one or two fights in MMA who might have a, a stronger. I'm talking about high level. Uh, Marina Rodriguez, though, huge for the weight class. Um, she's inconsistent, though. I mean, she's inconsistent, and in, in, on the feet, she's a really good striker, like one of the best strikers in the division. On the ground, she's a weak grappler. <laughs> um, on the feet, she's long and lengthy. She has fast hands. She's a pressure striker. She forces you back. Very aggressive. Nice snap on her punches. She attacks with combos. Um, hard, long kicks. I love her. Like she's mean. She has like these stepping knees, which I love. Um, good, dirty boxing. She gets in the clinch and she's bashing your head around. Um, very good at uh, posting and then slicing elbows. Like if you're trying to clinch to her, and she's very good at, at posting on your face and then slicing elbows. Uh, the hard knees up the middle in the clinch. Um, and she has 
I mean, she has power. Like she, she can put you out. I mean, you go back to her, her fight against, um, what was it? Uh, Amanda, yeah, Amanda Hebos. I, I wasn't sure if Amanda Hebos was the last fight, or two fights ago. Like Amanda Hebos, uh, she showed her power off in that fight. Uh, the problem is she's a bad wrestler, and um, she showed much improvement in her last fight against Michelle Waterson, who's a pretty good grappler herself. Um, but her BJJ is non-existent. You go back to like Carlos Espaza, who's a much better wrestler than Mackenzie Dern is. Uh, Cynthia Calvillo, who has definitely more of a Mackenzie Dern style, where um, more jiu-jitsu heavy. But both of those girls, um, she struggled against on the bottom. I mean, Calvillo had it mounted easily. So as far as prediction goes, I'm really intrigued. And I don't expect this fight to be close. Like, it's going to be a thrashing one way or the other. And, like, uh, either Mackenzie Dern can't get the fight to the ground and Rodriguez just picks her apart and then knocks her out. Or Dern finds a way to get to the ground and finishes it. I'm torn, and that's why I love this main event. And... Being that's five, so so there's a couple couple questions I have. So we've seen strikers who aren't aggressive enough be, when they're worried about the takedown, where they lose their opportunity to get a knockout because it gets a little gun shy. Because you know when you're missing a big straight right and they drop it underneath it, or you know, or you miss a hook and the side step in and they're snatching a, a single and running the pipe or something like that. Like I get why fighters get a little gun shy. So that concerns me. Like, will Rodriguez still be the striker against someone like Dern? Does that, I don't know if I'm making sense with that. Like, is she, is she going to open up all her tools? Uh, her kicking game is probably out the window. She's probably not going to want to throw a lot of kicks at Mackenzie Dern. I also think, though Rodriguez has fought in, in you know, she's been in main events, she's been in bigger fights, I think five rounds is going to favor Dern because... Dern needs one second. She needs one second to hop on a neck, one second to take you back. So the longer the fight lasts, the more opportunities she should have. But it's a big question mark. Will she find a way? And if she can't get her down, if Rodriguez stuffs two or three takedowns, every you know takedown attempt becomes harder and harder. But Mackenzie Dern only needs, I really think she's that good. She only needs one mistake, whether it be Rodriguez over pursues a punch and gets taken down. Uh, Mackenzie Dern shoots, a, a scramble ensues, and somehow the Rodriguez in the scramble falls to the ground. Like, whatever it is, um, that's all Dern needs. And I, I expect, like, Rodriguez needs to be perfect until the fight ends, and I don't think she's going to be perfect. I think I think Dern is going to find a way to either to get it down or pull guard or do something, and I think she's going to get submission, and I'm going to say it happens early. I'm going to say Mackenzie Dern. I think this is going to be coming out party, and I'm going to say Mackenzie Dern submits her in the very, very first round. So give me Mackenzie Dern by first round submission. Uh, before we close out, I'll try to give throw out some uh, throw out some comments. Um, Alan says short card, but good. I would say um, it's not going to have a like. So so I'll throw, pull back the curtain a little bit. The way we do. The rankings at SureDog, they go up every Monday or Tuesday. I, I apologize. I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I help with the rankings. I'm not sure when they go up. But, uh, yeah, they go up Tuesday. Uh, 
we have like a Slack channel and the the boss Mike Fridley will throw out what happened this weekend as far as the rankings go, who's who's been out of eligibility, you know, we have an eighteen month window. If you pass the eighteenth month window, you have to be taken out. Uh, you know, who who got upset, number six, lost to number nine, this and that. And then we just discuss what changes should we have to do and we open throws out there what they think and then pretty much the consensus takes it. This card is not going to build a lot of that talk because other than the main event and maybe Nicolau Elliott, what are, I don't know what other fighters are be ranked. I mean, I guess Romanov could squeeze in at the bottom of the top 15. In, and I'm talking strictly sure dog rankings. I'm not talking about the UFC rankings. Um, so I will say it's not going to give a lot of you know, it's not going to clear up title pitchers or anything like that. But it's in, there's some intriguing matchups. So generally speaking, uh, I like the card. And also, any card that starts in the afternoon, it's it's starting at one thirty on Saturday. So thinking we're doing the recap show. Hopefully you guys are all joining in. Around 7 o'clock, Ben will be back by then. Um, Andre says against Amanda Cooper, she... Uh, she got her down by a big overhand that dropped her. Can't remember uh, takedown by Dern. Uh, Allen throws out that she's a really bad offensive wrestler, but basically convinced she, she's going to get her hands on her at least once in five rounds, and that'll be enough to finish. So Allen's going. Mackenzie Dern, uh, Andre throwing out um, a minute. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the Nunes always mixing up the Nina answer off the uh, Nina Nunes uh, that she might have gone down. Uh, T is going with submission in the third round. Ryan, I think Darren can get her down only be, only because Rodriguez doesn't have great defense for wrestling, and Darren will have a weight advantage. <laughs> yeah, she probably missed weight, but uh, in fairness, she hasn't missed weight in a long time. Um, I'll say this, Ryan. Rodriguez did show improved takedown defense against Michelle Watterson. Uh, can she do that against Mackenzie Dern? I don't know. That's the big mystery. That's why they're, they're fighting. It's, it's very intriguing. Uh, Kyle Kyle is thrown out. Um, Dern should win because she just needs to find one shot on the feet. To, yeah, one shot on the feet to get the respect and rocks Marina. Uh, Marina during my second or fourth round armbar. Uh, I love that you said second or fourth. So not the third. The third round is definitely not in the possibility, but second or fourth round. Uh, uh, yeah, Alan said throwing out that Marina's got two draws already. Uh, Ryan is rooting for Rodriguez because he loves well, – I, I love Rodriguez's style um, on the feet. I really love her style, so I agree with you there. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't agree that I'm rooting for one or the other, but – uh, I definitely like Rodriguez's his style. Alan throws out if Marina wins. I think it is the exact same way as Hebos knocking McKenzie out. One out with one. Yeah, in my eyes, that's the only way. Yeah, kind of like hitting, 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 moving, hitting, hitting, and then finally connect them with a perfect shot. Uh, or, or just doing what Hebos did and just be quicker. Not giving her uh, a target to really shoot on. 
Uh, Marina's been talking about subbing Darn. Yeah, you, as Andre points out, you can talk, you can talk the big game. She ain't gonna sub. I mean, she could club and sub her. That's always anytime you connect with a big big shot and you rock somebody and you can jump on the back. Yeah, that could really happen. But like, take her down, outwork her on the ground, and get a submission. No, that, that's not gonna happen. Uh, uh, Alan throws out. Imagine if. Durant just stands on the feet and, and, and bangs for the whole time. Uh, we've seen grapplers do that before. I don't, I don't think it would be a smart strategy, but we don't know. Um, Alan threw out that Marina's full wrestlers. That's true. Uh, for a lot of wrestlers. Uh, he's going. He's agreeing with me. First round submission. <laughs> Ryan's throwing out. Missed the beginning of the stream, but... Is this the worst fight card in the last few years? Uh, what do you guys think? I, I don't. Um, I I understand, like, name value-wise, I, I, I understand where it might be. Um, but I feel like we've had worse cards. Like, some of those, uh, like, China cards and, and, and stuff. And, you know, or some of the overseas cards might have been worse. I don't think this is the worst, but I've I've seen that thrown out a lot. T is saying he's agreeing that it's the worst, but it's better than nothing. Um, Andre saying I want to see Marina versus Joanna. If Marina wins, possibly I guess. Yeah, that that um, man, could you imagine Marina Rodriguez versus Joanna Jacek? Uh, Alan said he looked. Uh, you said recent. Years, so I'm not gonna throw out what I throw on the recap show. I said UFC 24 first defense with Steve Judson versus Ted Williams was the main event. It, it, it's funny that I remember those fighters' names, but I can't remember fighters like Chris Martino who lives in my hometown and stuff. Um, anyways, guys, there you have it. It's uh, this is the sh- probably the shortest preview show we've ever done. It's only an hour and 22 minutes. So anytime you watch the preview show and you say, "Hey, it's really really long." Well, blame Ben then, because obviously we kept it short, and that was with me and all the people in the chat who was chatting up. We 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 hosted it all together. Uh, on the recap show, we give out our listener of the night. This is a special occasion. I'm going to give you guys all the listener tonight. You guys are all fantastic. Um, if you is the first time you ever listened to a preview show, we do it every single week. If you guys like the live. I don't know. Message Ben. Maybe, maybe something we could work out. Um, I, I don't know. But uh, I, I like doing it live, so maybe we can do something like that. Um, one thing I want to shout out to you guys. The reason why Ben wasn't here this week is he's traveling. Um, ben used to he's, – he's, he's a musician. If you guys don't know, he, he has a band that he was in 20 years ago. They used to tour around. They you know, split up for whatever reason. Having a 20-year anniversary in Utah, because that's where he used used to be. The band name is Spitball. They're playing at the Valor venue, 135 North University Ave, Provo, Utah, which I'm which I was told is in like the Salt Lake City area. If you're in that area, make sure this Friday night you go to the show. Uh, it's at eight. Tickets are only ten dollars. Five dollars with a student ID. So if you guys, uh, if you guys are in the area in Salt Lake City, make sure you go see Ben, see Spitball, listen to it. They're gonna be a good time. Make sure if you're in the area, say hi to Ben. If you like and subscribe, Ben will buy you a bear. He didn't tell me that, but 
if you like and subscribe to, to the Sure Dog uh, YouTube page and tell him, uh, he'll buy you a bear. If anybody's in the Salt Lake City who sees this, take a picture with Ben and we'll tweet it out on the Sure Dog uh, page. Um, thank you all, guys. Uh, Ryan just said thank you, brother. You have a great night. And uh, guys, I'll be back this Saturday. The one you guys all love the best is Ben. He'll be back Saturday day too. We'll be doing it. Um, uh, if he is saving the editing, why not? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Sorry, I don't know the technical stuff, guys. But I just love talking the fights with you guys. You guys are the best. Uh, we'll do it again next time. Make sure you check out the recap show this Saturday, right after the event. Probably about usually takes about ten minutes to set everything up. Afterwards, uh, we go about hour and a half, two hours. And uh, like, subscribe, share, do all that stuff. Let's continue to grow this. I'll see you guys next time.